So today, we're going to talk about and answer the question, what the hell is going on with my libido and menopause? Welcome to This Functional Life, a show for women just like you, who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose. We're going to deconstruct norms, uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health, and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get thriving. So let's talk about this. So, you know, menopause is obviously when we actually lose all of our circulating sex hormones for the most part. So menopause occurs when progesterone has already declined and we have the final decline of estrogen. So if you've listened to my show before, you know we talk a lot about these hormones. So essentially, we have a biological action of menopause, which is the loss of circulating sex hormones, and then the resulting side effects of that, which is partially libido changes. What's really happening with libido? Because here's the thing. I know after years and years and years, two decades working with my clients, often libido takes a nosedive for women long before we get to menopause. There's several different things that lead to sexual function changes pre and post menopause. So I would say the first and foremost is psychological things, stress. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So psychological stress, too many things on our plate and dealing with kind of living day to day. There's interpersonal. So, you know, when I talk to couples, especially, and especially the men, love you guys, but you know, often they don't understand how much of women's arousal happens between our ears. And so for women, if we don't feel connected, if we don't feel appreciated, or if we, if we don't feel the right feelings inside, we're not going to have a lot of sexual interest. You know, one of, uh, gosh, I can't remember who said it now that I was trying to think of it. it might be Dr. Ruth. It might be somebody else. It's this kind of old adage. The guy has a, has a good day. He wants sex. He has a bad day. He wants sex. He comes in and the, and the kids are bad. He wants sex. It's just... Generally speaking, men's sexual desire and sexual urges are much greater than ours, and they aren't as dependent on our psychological state and interpersonal state as it is for women. We also have social cultural things. So depending on how you were raised and your peer group, sexuality and sexual expression may be greater or less. So if you're in a conservative peer group and you've been raised conservatively, meaning that sexual enjoyment and sexual pleasure may have been seen as negative or definitely slutty or those kind of things, anything along that continuum, there's going to be a social cultural part that may also be at play. So when those hormones start changing at perimenopause and menopause, all of a sudden now the sexual desire is significantly less because it probably wasn't great to begin with because of the conditioning of our social cultural experience. And then obviously the biological effects of those hormones are going to be a big part of that, you know, and so much of that is, is really mediated by estrogen. So let's talk about the physiological things with menopause and what's really at play. So if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that hormones rule the roost and it is impossible to feel great and feel optimized with hormones that are out of balance, but which hormones are out of balance? 
So to answer that question, I've created this quiz that takes about two minutes to do that will help you uncover your major dominant hormonal imbalance. And I'd love for you to take it. And once you do the quiz, you're actually going to receive your own personalized report with what you need to do based on your answers and results. So if you'd like to know how to get a handle on your hormonal imbalance, go to quiz.helpforhormonesquiz.com and you can take the quiz. And again, that address is quiz.helpforhormonesquiz.com. So that loss of estrogen at menopause is going to be most notably um, the player in orgasmic response. So the ability to orgasm is going to decline significantly with the loss of estrogen. That means everything from delayed clitoral reactions or, or slowed or impaired orgasm. So truly going through menopause and not replacing those hormones with bioidentical hormones means that the stimulation, the other things that allows you to have an orgasm are going to be significantly delayed. We also see a loss of vaginal secretion, right? So the ability to, to lubricate the vaginal canal and we see vulvar, which is the, the area outside your vagina and vaginal atrophy. So that means that the, the tissue inside gets, gets thin gets damaged and and starts to dry up for lack of a better word. So sex becomes painful without lubricants and other things. So we see those physical things. Uh, we can also see things like uh, painful uterine contractions in some women. Some women get painful uterus and, and cervical changes when they have sex. So sex becomes painful on top of just the lack of lubrication. Obviously, if I'm a woman, I'm going through those physiological changes and it's painful. I'm going to avoid anything sexual because it's painful. The other thing we see, so let's take a look at the other ones. So if we look at the psychological, but with biological underpinning pieces, we know that the action of basically lack of libido and lack of sexual interest is also highly correlated to depression. And it may be as high as two to one in women versus men. So one of the major things we see when women go through menopause is we start to see significant mood changes and depression. And unfortunately, in Western medicine, the answer to that is an SSRI rather than addressing the real problem, which is the loss of estrogen. So hysteria, hysterectomy have the same root. We have mood changes that happen when we go through perimenopause and menopause. And depression is common in these years. So untreated depressive illness is obviously going to cause a lack of libido, right? Nothing feels good. We feel flat. So definitely having more psychological stress from having low mood from the loss of estrogen. The other thing we need to talk about is a, a loss of androgens, a loss of testosterone and DHEA, which are the male hormones as well, that also can help increase libido and sense of well-being. So those have already declined also. So basically, we have flatlined across all hormones. And if I don't have androgens and I don't have estrogen, I'm going to feel flat. I'm not going to feel excited. I'm not going to feel sexually desirable and or desire sex. So this is going to complicate the physiological things that are already going on. You know, and like I said, so let's go back to that interpersonal thing. So often, because we're caring for kids, or if you're like me and your sandwich generation, you're also probably caring for elderly parents. And then you've got your work, and then you've got whatever else you're doing, whether it's you know working with hobbies and other things. All those things show up on your to-do list. 
And for most people, particularly women that have too much on their to-do list, sex becomes a to-do list item rather than something that you look forward to. When we look at that, the interpersonal and the stress psychology of that is we are not going to want to have sex. And so here's a little interesting stat for you. Women's testosterone levels are at their highest when they first wake up in the morning. Even if you're flatlined, even if you're low, whatever you are making is going to be at their highest in the morning. And so for the guys out there that may be struggling with lack of lack of intimacy with your partner, you're probably much more likely to get it and have a really good time if it's earlier in the day. You know, so for most women, I can speak from the ones I talk to in my office and all of my virtual clients from all over. And, you know, if we're getting ready to go to bed after an exhausting day at 10 o'clock, it's real hard to get it together and be excited at that point because we're just drop dead tired. So also sometimes it means changing what we do and how we have interpersonal experiences. And so that would be important too. There's also, you know, the occurrence of sexual dysfunction in males. And I want to talk a little bit about that because we see an epidemic of sexual dysfunction that is really because there's metabolic derangement. Loss of sexual function for a man, maybe erectile dysfunction, lack of interest, lack of ability to be able to maintain erection, have an erection, and orgasm. And in many, many cases, this is not necessarily the loss of testosterone for men, although it may play a role. In many cases, it has to do with blood flow and metabolic things like prediabetes, obesity, diabetes, hypertension. And since 88% of all Americans and most Westerners, whether you're European or not, are assumed to be insulin resistant, this is a high probability that there can be sexual dysfunction for males too, which is just going to lead to that slowing of, of sexual activity and lack of intimacy and obviously libido. What can you do with this, right? So there's there's several different things. So, you know, I think first and foremost, I personally believe that bioidentical hormone replacement managed appropriately, appropriate to the individual and testing for how you metabolize your hormones is part of a longevity plan and part of a health care plan. We are the only mammals outside of, I believe, sperm whales that live after reproductive years. So other mammals, once they no longer can reproduce, they don't live much longer after that. And we could assume there's a lot of different reasons in nature why that might be. Probably some of it is because our, our offspring takes so much longer to become able to exist on their own without help that maybe our existence past reproductive years is to help child rearing. Maybe, maybe not. But if you looked at the statistics, in 1900, our average lifespan was 57 years. So if the average menopausal age is 52, who cared if you lost sexual desire and libido for about four or five years towards the end of your life? But you know, we've made so many advances medically and with sanitation and all these other things that we're living well into our 80s. I mean, our, our, the average lifespan for a woman, I think, is like 84 to 87, something in that range. So we're looking at like 30 to 35 years of living without hormones. That's a long time. And if hormones were so bad, then we would see 20-year-olds getting cancer. We would see 20-year-olds having heart attacks. We would see 20-year-olds with dementia. And we don't. And so the truth is these hormones keep the body in check and they are liberating and they are youth-giving. And when we lose those, that is the sign to the body to say, hey, it is time to sort of start to mold and age and wither away. Do you know what I really love to do while listening to my favorite podcast? 
enjoy a great glass of wine. But finding a clean, natural wine isn't always easy. The FDA allows 76 different additives to be added to our wines. And that's why I drink dry farm wines. Dry farm wines are organic, biodiverse. They're vegan, sugar-free with less than one gram of sugar. They have a lower alcohol content, so they're friendly to keto and paleo and free of any toxic additives. And they actually have lower sulfite levels, less than 75 parts per million. So you can have a glass and feel okay and not guilty the next morning. So if you'd like to try out Dry Farm Wines, I invite you to do so. Go to dryfarmwines.com slash Betty Murray. And if you put in an order, they'll give you an extra bottle for a penny. And again, that site is dryfarmwines.com slash Betty Murray. I think the first and foremost is, is considering that and looking into that and having a really good provider to help you with bioidentical hormone replacement appropriately prescribed. How can we do that? Let's say if we just take sex hormones off the table, because I don't prescribe, obviously. So if we have the tissue atrophy that we see, so the drying of the tissues around the vagina, the painful sex, there are some very good things you can do. So obviously, we need to increase vaginal lubrication. So there's a couple different things that I recommend. One of them I think everybody should use is a product called Jolva. And it's made by my friend, Anna Kabeca. She's a triple board certified OB-GYN. She designed it specifically for rejuvenation and maintenance of the tissues in and around your vaginal canal, your vulva. And it doesn't have any estrogen in it or anything like that, but it helps restore those tissues. And it should be used daily, twice a day. She actually now has one, has a product for your Lips, so we have lips on both ends, ladies. So it is it is something that very much helps that tissue stay supple and and lubricated. Now, if you're having sex, then you want to use an additional lubricant because you're not producing the same amount of vaginal secretions to make it make it uh, make it comfortable. So playing with lubricants, having those as part of the experience will help will help the whole act of sexual relations. Then the next step is we go, okay, so what do we do when we don't really have orgasms maybe, or maybe our ability to orgasm is is somewhat impaired. So the other thing is, I know for a lot of women, and again, probably depends on your social cultural experience and how expressed you have been over your lifetime with sexuality, how comfortable you are with that. This may be a time to bring in toys and other things like vibrators and other sort of apparatus because they can help stimulate in a way that may not be as easy to do one-on-one. So the other thing I often talk to people about, and sometimes they get very uncomfortable, is that we want to be able to know how to stimulate ourselves. And if we're with a partner, we want to be able to add that. So adding sexual toys, actually masturbating is helpful because it helps you figure out what you like, what feels good now, what can maybe allow you to orgasm or get you close. But if you don't know that, it's impossible to tell a partner that. So that's that's part of it. Um, so... The other piece, let's look at that sort of psychological thing. So we talked a little bit about that loss of desire and obviously the depression and anxiety that shows up as we age because we're losing our hormones. You know, so if that's the case, one of the other things that helps too is is going, okay, 
I need to increase my, my activities of arousal through the space between my ears. So if I have a lack of interest, a lack of desire, even reading things like romance novels or erotic novels can help because again, women's libido and sexual excitement are very much centered in what's between the brain. And so reading fantasies, maybe sharing those fantasies with your partner uh, also can help create more interest because again, that sexual stimulation is happening in the brain. When you look at the cultural pieces, this is probably the hardest thing for us to often get past. If we've been, if we've been in and around our entire life, a, a environment where we heard sex is bad, women being sexy or sexual is bad, you know, all the way down to slut shaming. You know, it's uh, especially in today's day and age, we have this sort of attack on women's uh, sexuality and our body freedom, and so. When we have been in that environment for a long time, we may have issues with being comfortable in our own skin. And so if you're, you've been around in an environment where sex is considered bad, taboo, and you don't want to be there anymore, this is an environment where I highly recommend exploring those things like books and other stuff where you can start to maybe stimulate that side of your brain and body, but in an environment that's safe because the people that are close to you may not be the people that you can talk to about it. Let's recap what we really talked about here. So when we're looking at libido and menopause, it is definitely that loss of androgens, the loss of estrogen. Androgens drive your testosterone and things like that, drive sexual interest. And estrogen also does, but it also allows for you to have orgasm and to feel sexy, right? All of the sexiness is driven by those hormones. And so when I lose those, I get psychological changes. So we see more depression, more anxiety, more just a feeling of blah or numbness. I hear that a lot too. It's like, I don't feel anything at all. And if I have a very stressful life, regardless of age, I meet a lot of women in their 30s that are that complain of a terrible, terrible libido, but it's because they've got too much on their plate. So those things can hurt too. Our stress and psychological stress are going to play a role. And then we have this physiological and biological things that may be going on if we're not well, if I have cardiovascular disease, if I have blood flow issues, if I have other things, that's going to affect both men and women sexually. And then the interpersonal side of it, if I'm not feeling connected to my partner or I'm, I'm feeling any, any lack of connectedness, that usually is going to affect a woman's interest in sex. And then the sociocultural. How, how do we see sexuality in women and how are we being told about sexuality in women in our environment, in the people that are closest to us? Because that is going to have a big impact on how comfortable you are with your sexuality. And there are a lot of things that we can do to fix that. And some of it goes all the way down to the physiological right? Let's fix and replace the hormones that are missing. So we have those hormones of longevity and, and purpose and libido and stimulation. But we can also do things like use lubrication, use things that help restore that tissue, play with toys, read erotic novels. We can do all those things to help sort of stimulate that libido. Because I truly believe 
that sexuality is something that should continue through our adult and I don't like using the word senior, but our second season of life that, you know, now many of us in this age and time, our kids maybe are, are leaving the house or have left the house. So we finally don't have somebody underfoot that we have to worry about what they're doing all the time, that this is like your opportunity to be free for the first time in decades. And part of that freeness is having a killer libido and being able to act on it. So it doesn't mean that we have to lose sexuality. Thank you so much for tuning into this functional life. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD. And if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.